Father, this is a, this is a big Sunday. I'm excited about the topic today. Uh, last week was heavy. And um, I think about the passage in Romans 12 for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, Lord. This is the, this is the Sunday that we've been looking forward to because it brings a lot of the pieces together from our sermon series. So as always, Father, we pray that what we hear would be from your word and that anything else that comes out of my lips that is not from you, that it would just fall to the ground and be forgotten quickly. To you alone be praise and honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So our sermon series has been called Gospel 101. Um, we need to find out who's been paying attention. So G-O-S-P-E-L, the G stands for? What? God's holiness. So it's God. We can't understand God and, and the gospel unless we understand that God is perfectly holy. What does the O stand for? The obstacle of sin. So we've all fa- sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What was S? Sam brought us S. What was that? Yes, Savior. So uh, God sent his son Jesus to be our Savior. So this side of the room, y'all are doing really, really well. Okay? And then we jumped into P. So we introduced a, a big word with P. What was it? Propitiation. Was that not an amazing word? Is that one like just sunk into your heart and remained there? It has with me. So propitiation. And then last week we talked about? We talked about everlasting life. We talked about eternal life. Um, And then we're going to continue the series um, this morning. But we're first going to read our passage. So, um, Jenny Smith, are you ready? Okay. So everybody, if you don't mind. uh, Very good. Thank you, Jenny. So a little bit of background, we won't give a lot of background, but a little bit of background. If you go and you look at all of 1 John, you're going to see that there's this theme of love that's there. In fact, I had someone early on when I was kind of questioning you know, salvation say, if you really want to know if you're a believer or not, go read 1 John. You'll see a lot in 1 John that will be kind of a, a litmus test of whether you're truly a Jesus follower or whether you're not. Okay, but what was happening is that there were these, there was these false teachings that were coming in. So you see at the first part in um, chapter 2 where John is saying, listen, there are antichrists out there. There are individuals that are opposed to the gospel that are causing confusion in the church. And you need to be aware. He says in verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So there's this deception even in the early church that would come in to the church. And then in chapter 4, he warns against um, false spirits and false prophets. It's like, okay. So first century church had individuals that were coming in and trying to cause confusion. And where they were getting tripped up on was, what is the gospel? How is the gospel worked out? And then what truly is eternal life, which was our subject last week? And then if you look at Paul talking to the church at Galatia, it's the same thing. There's deceptive teachings that had come in. So Galatians is an amazing book, and after going through uh, this Gospel 101 series, it would be a great book for you just to go read on your own with your own personal reading and meditation, because what you see is these individuals that said gospel, absolutely, and they embraced it, and they loved it, and they believed it, and then quickly they began to revert back to, remember how we've talked about religion and morality? the lists, the rules that you have to keep if you're really a Christian and how 
the enemy can use those thing, things to deceive. Well, that was what was happening at the church, to the church in Galatia to the degree that Paul even says, who has bewitched you? You started with the gospel, but now you're going back to your rules and regulations. And that's what was happening. So there was this deception that was taking place. So that's the backdrop of, of these two books and these two passages. But we're focusing on what the, the main part of the gospel is this morning, which is the L stands for the love of God. So God sends his son to an unholy people. Oh, we have the obstacle of sin. And even while we were sinners, he chose to send his son to us. And the question is, why would he choose to do so? And it is because of his love. So today we're going to look at five, five important truths. We'll spend less time on the front end and more time on the back end with these truths. But if we want to understand love, where do we go? Where do we go to learn about love? No, not 1 Corinthians 13. We go to the Hallmark Channel, right? So the Hallmark Channel tells us everything we need to know about love, right, Cammie? Yes, yes. So it's, yeah, our TV's stuck on channel 89. I don't understand, but it just is. So no, this is not true. But I found myself um, rabbit trail, and then I'll be back during Christmas break, um, one random Friday night, and Cammy checks in on me to find, find out what I'm doing, and I'm like, I'm sitting here at home by myself with the dogs watching a Hallmark movie with tears coming out of my eyes. And she says, you're what? And it's true. And it was a great movie. Um, the girl needed a kidney, and the random stranger came, and he provided a kidney for her, and it was beautiful, and I wept. And it was strange that I was doing so. And why was I watching Hallmark Channel when I could have been watching anything else? Well, let's not talk about those things because I don't know the answer to that. But what was it that was happening in my heart that caused me to be moved by a movie? You know, what is it that causes us to be moved with acts of compassion? How is it that when we see that baby for the first time, we are suddenly in love? Why would a man leave all of this and cling to a woman and go spend the rest of his time, you know, on earth, you know, with her? and so on and so forth. We see example after example of love, and it's hard to explain. There's an intangible that it's there. What gives us the ability to, to be broken and, and to be hurt and to get our feelings hurt? It's because we have the ability to love. So we're going to talk about that um, this morning. And the thing that we have to understand is we wouldn't even be able to have love or express love or receive love if it did not come from the Lord first. So let's go back and look at the passage again, okay? Actually, it's not the Hallmark Channel. That's not the answer. So let's look at 1 John 4, 7 through 11 again. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. I've got that bolded for a reason. It is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, look at the next three words, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, Remember that, oh, that obstacle of sin? Ephesians 2 says not only is there an obstacle of sin that's there, it says we were dead in our transgressions. We were dead. You cannot revive yourself. It took the love of God to come and revive us. 
So, but he loved us and he sent his son to be the, our favorite P word, propitiation, the mercy seat. If you haven't heard that sermon, you need to go online and listen to it. It was my favorite, the mercy seat of Christ. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So, truth number one, we can have no understanding of love apart from God for God himself is love, and love comes from God. Last week's sermon was hard for a lot of reasons. It was just hard, and I confessed some of that to you all even before we preached last Sunday. The topic of eternal life sounded glorious when I thought about preaching it, and then when I jumped into the subject, there were some serious difficulties that were there. We won't rehash those again this morning, but talking about the love of God reminded me, and in in, in, in thinking about it and, and studying on the love of God reminded me that my default and your default must be love and the love of God if we're going to understand the chaos that is in this world. Bad things happen to good people. People get hurt. Children die. There are car accidents. There is the issue of eternal life, which is amazing, but there's also eternal destruction, which we don't understand. And I don't have a theology that can grasp those details in a way that will bring comfort to this body. I wish that I did, but I don't. So when I think about these things, I have to go back and understand that God is love. And you said it earlier, Michelle, Romans 13, or 1 Corinthians 13, says that God is love as well. And it says that love is patient. And if it's true that God is love, that means that God is patient. And it also says love is kind. And if it's true that love is kind, then that means that God is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. And that means that God is not arrogant and God is not rude. So when things happen that we don't understand... Our default has to be honest. Lord, I don't understand these things. I don't have an answer for this situation. I don't like it, but I know that you're love. You are love, and you are kind, and you are good, and you are not rude. And sometimes that's the best answer that we're going to give to our own souls, and it's the best thing that we can give to someone else. The love of God has to be our default. It has to be. The fact that we even have the propensity to sin, to, to love, I'm sorry, um, shows that we are made in God's image. You know, how, how can we express what love is in a way that people would understand? But we've all experienced it. We've all gotten our hearts broken. We've all been moved with compassion. We have the ability to do that because we're made in the image of a God who himself is love. And we even understand from Scripture that this thing that we call marriage, it only exists to paint a picture of God's love for the church. This is a picture of how much God loves us. Um, we, so we, we understand love only through the lenses of Scripture and who He is. You remember this quote we talked about before we jumped into the sermon series from C.J. Mahaney? It says that the gospel isn't one class among many that you will attend during your life as a Christian, 
the gospel is the whole building. All of the classes take place inside of this building. Rightly approached, all the topics that you will study and focus on as a believer will be offered to you within the walls of the glorious gospel. Remember that quote? If that is true, okay, then love itself has to be the very foundation for that gospel. So when we continue our sermon series after Gospel 101, we're going to talk about what does Jesus' fellowship look like. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. But it's not like, oh, so we received gospel back early on in January and February and into March, and now we're moving from the gospel to other things. No, the gospel will permeate all of the other topics that we will discuss, which takes us to um, point number or truth number two. Love is the very foundation for the gospel. The passage that we looked at earlier in verse number nine says that the love of God was made manifest. It was presented to us. It, it revealed itself. It showed itself to us. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. So we see this love of God working itself out in the way that he loves us by sending his son to us because true love has action. We know that. True love truly sacrifices. True love considers the needs of others more important than its own. That's why we're told to love in the same manner that we've been loved. We're told to forgive in the same manner that we've been forgiven. Um, husbands are told, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. All of this goes back to the foundation because this love that he's talking about there is an expression of what it looks like to actually believe the gospel. So you can't say, oh, I believe the gospel and then turn around and hate your brother. You can't. You can't continue to do that. You can't say, oh, I believe the gospel and not spend any time with the Lord because love is relational. There's a, there's a give and take that's there. We spend time with someone that we truly love. We can't love the gospel and then turn around and keep bitterness in our hearts for someone that has wronged us. Those are inconsistent with one another, and therefore I do encourage you to go read through 1 John if you have any questions about that. And why did God manifest himself by sending his son? It takes us back to that P of propitiation, because that was the place, that was the mercy seat, that was where a holy and righteous and a perfect God comes to the place where there are unholy people to reveal himself to them there. But why would he do that is the question. It's because he loves us. It's because of love. We hear it so much, but it's so hard for us to understand that the Lord really does love us. Truth number three, this one's going to be quick. I'm going to be in and out. Jesus longs for us as a church to experience oneness in his love. I'm just going to read this passage to you. If you want to follow, feel free to turn to John chapter 17. This is John chapter 17, 20 through 26. The setting is before Christ gives himself up, before he, he, he willingly gives himself to die, to be the propitiation for our sins, he has a conversation with the Father. And he prays this high priestly prayer to the Father. This is an excerpt of that prayer. So he hasn't given his life yet, and he's getting ready to. And as he's getting ready to, he prays for you and for me in this moment. I want you to hear it. 
So, so try to focus if you can. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one. There's a oneness that's here. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, so that the world will see. They'll know that we are Christians by our love, so that the world may know. Well, how will the world know? Because this oneness exists and because we love each other in a way that makes the world tilt its head. It's one thing to love people that love us, but you're loving your enemies. That's different. How can you do that, and why would you do that? And we've got an answer to that question, and it's because of the love of God. But let me continue. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, oneness, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, and then he says it again, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Verse number 24. you got to hear this. It's good. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, praying to the Father, and he says, Father, I love them, and I desire to be with them. Do you have a theology that can explain that? Does your doctrine explain how and why God would choose to love unholy people? Because I struggle with it, but it's true. He says, I desire to be with them. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I have made them known to your. Um, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. And then he ends by saying that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's a oneness that's there. It's the it's the heartbeat of God. So if you want to know the heartbeat of God, go look at his high priestly prayer before he gives his life, and he says, "I give my life for them." Because I want them to be a part of this perfect unity that we have, this oneness. I desire to be with them. It's really good. It's the foundation for the, for the Gospel 101 series, but it's the foundation for why we exist as a church. Without the love of God, it's just a bunch of random theology and doctrine that'll go nowhere and it'll change no one's life. One of the greatest songs ever written. Oh, I lost it. Here we go. Greatest songs ever written. Jesus loves me. This I know. You know, we know the song and we know it well. Um, but the Lord truly does love us. Truth number four. Jesus gave himself for you. He loves you immensely and he longs to fellowship with you. We're going to let this one sink in um, just a little bit. This, this is the one that people struggle with. So when we read this song, or when we hear this song, pay attention to the red that is there. Jesus loves me, 
This I know, for the Bible tells me so little ones to whom belong, they are weak, and he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. We struggle with this at a high level. The Galatians 2.20 passage that Jenny read to us earlier, I want you to look at this. Look at the end of this, of this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. This is the gospel. This is where the propitiation comes in. We say, I believe. And when we believe, we're crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it opens up the door that the Holy Spirit of Christ can come and live within me, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, hear this, who loved me and gave himself for me. My guess is that there are plenty of us in here today that struggle with that last concept. It's okay for me to say, and I think I believe that God loved the world, but the fact that he would love me. So here's the question that's on the table for us to work through this morning as a body. Why is it easier for me to say, yes, God loved the world, than it is for me to believe that he loved me and he gave himself for me? We'll hit pause. And um, I'd like to hear what you think about that. Why is that easier for us? What's the struggle that's there? Anyone? Al, but Allie loves you in those moments. Yes, yes, okay. Okay, so we're hearing sometimes I don't love me, so sometimes I'm hard on myself. If I don't love me, how is it possible that God could love me? Sometimes the parents, what was your, your word, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you look at your relationship a lot of times in counseling. Well, tell me about your relationship with your father. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. Why is that? Because we can never truly, you know, understand the love of God unless the Lord works through sometimes the struggle, the junk that's there because of really hard relationships we've had with fathers on earth. So sometimes that's hard for people. So when they hear Father God, they automatically think about this father that was abusive to them. That's good. Others, other thoughts? Self-worthiness, okay. Yeah, we don't, we don't often feel good about ourselves. We struggle. And, and you understand kind of the default that can be there, and this is where religion and morality can come in, and you need to understand this because this is what we do. I don't feel good about myself. How can God love me? I must therefore prove my worth to the Lord. What, where's the list? What are the things I can't do? What are the things I should do? Let me go work out that list because then maybe God will choose to love me. And that's what we do. The gospel is, is bigger. It is better than that. Other thoughts? Mm, okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Other thoughts? Being justified 
comparison game is, oh, there's no way God could love me um, in comparison to these other mistakes. That's good, Jeremiah. Did y'all hear that? Okay. Other thoughts? If God truly loves me, now you're moving on to the response. If this is true that God loves me, you know you're setting me up for point number five real well. And I do appreciate that, Katie. If God truly does love me, it changes the way that I live my life. But I'm telling you, people, how many of us are in here this morning? 60 to 65? There are more than a handful of us in this room this morning that struggle with believing that the God of the universe loves you personally. There's a struggle that's there. This is the point that will change your life. This is the one. This is the one. If you can grasp the fact that Almighty God will meet you where you're at, it'll change your life. Jenny, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, and I'm not going to. But I got to talk to, to Jenny and Becca a couple weeks ago, and just to hear part of her testimony, part of her story, Jenny, was there anything that you had done to deserve the love of God? Could you have been further away from God when he sought you out? It was incredible. Such a powerful testimony. And I walked away from that meeting just being reminded, he pursues us. He runs after us. You think about the prodigal son, and he's like, okay, I, I just want to go home and eat the pig's food, but at least I can go home. And he begins his journey back home, and he's ready to confess. And, and who does he see running down the road after him? He sees the father, and he runs, and he embraces him, and he kills the fatted calf, and he puts the best robe on him. And you see in that one snapshot a picture of a God who runs, he runs. He pursues us. Even when we don't feel so good about ourselves, this God chooses to love us anyway. It's a hard concept, but it's true, and it is a game changer. You don't have to say it, but I invite you to say these words with me and repeat after me. Here's a couple of them. The first one, let's just start here. Jesus loves me. This one's a little harder. Despite my past, Jesus loves me. Hmm. What kind of a past do you all have? Mine's not pretty. No matter what others think of me, Jesus loves me. Jesus gave himself for me. It's true, people. And if we can let that one rest into our souls, it'll change us. The biggest challenge that we're having as a church is believing the fact that God is able to forgive us for all of the stuff that we have done, our heart's continual um, chasing after other gods and idols and things that might somehow satisfy us. It was there with the book of Galatians as well. They received the gospel, and then they said, ah, 
but I'm not worthy. There's got to be more than the gospel. So their default was to go back and try to earn their salvation. And Paul says, who has bewitched you? You don't need to do that. The gospel of Jesus and him giving his son for you, is, it's enough. The fact that God would give Jesus as a propitiation, and we saw it in Hebrews 9, we saw it in Hebrews 10, it was a one-time sacrifice, once and for all. And that sacrifice was sufficient to cover all of your sins and to cover all of my sins. Why would he do that? Is it true that it would cover all my sins? Yes, it's true. But why would he do that? Because he loves you. He longs to be with us. And when that can become our default, the things that don't make it sense in this world, we can be okay with it because we can rest on the fact that God truly does love us. And then Jesus says it this way. He says, if you're going to come to receive this truth, you got to come like a child. Because this is a grand doctrine. It's heavy. It's meaty. Uh, theologians will wrestle with this their whole lives. And Jesus says, it's true, but you've got to be like a little child and just receive it. It's a gift. Put your hands up. Daddy, Abba, Father, I don't deserve it, but I'll receive it if it's true. Katie leads us to, no, we're not going to go there, to point number five, loving him and others will always be the outcome of those who in faith have believed the gospel message. We should start putting these in the worship guide so you don't have to write so much. Loving him and others will always be the outcome of those who in faith have believed the gospel message. Um, this past year has been hard in our family because we had someone that we loved dearly and she passed away. And we all called her Mamaw. And Mamaw was my mother-in-law and Cammie's mom. And she passed away in August. And she started having some dementia before she passed away. But there's these two um, great-grandchildren that she had. They were Cam and Chasey. You all don't know Cam and Chasey. Um, Cam and Chasey are, I think, six years old. And they were the apple of her eye, and she loved them dearly. So she may not have remembered whether she ate a meal that day. She may have no clue even who you are in that moment, but she would just begin to talk about Cam and Chasey. It would just flow out of her heart. It was just the most amazing thing. Well, how was your talk with Mamaw? How was your time with Mamaw? It was good. She talked about Cam and Chasey the whole time. You know, and that's what we saw in her. There was just this, this love that she had for these great-grandchildren, and they were so embedded in her heart that it was a natural thing for her love of them, bless you, Sam, to flow out of her heart. And going back to Katie's point, if we understand this love, if we by faith receive this gospel, if we prioritize our relationship with him by actually spending time with him daily and getting to know him, then our love for him will be in our hearts and we will naturally speak of him to others. We won't be able to keep from speaking of him if we truly know him. We'll love him and we'll love one another by speaking of him. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, 
do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, well, Peter, then feed my sheep. You take the love that you have for me, but it's got to go out into the world. Are you sure you love me, Peter? Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And three times he gives them the same response because that's what the love of God does. It comes to us, we receive it, and it changes the way that we view the world and it changes the way that we treat people. The purpose of this series, I need to read this again before I said it because I need to make sure that, that it's clear in my head before I give it to you. The purpose of this series is so that we can better understand the gospel. That's why we call it Gospel 101, okay? And I tried to present it in a way, G-O-S-P-E-L, so that I can help, we can help equip us as a body to understand what the gospel is so that when we do speak of him, we would begin with God. It's like, I can't really explain the good news to you unless you understand the bad news, but you don't understand the bad news unless you understand how holy he is. So I need to begin with God. And then we talk about sin. And then we talk about Jesus being our Savior. And then we talk about what happened when he gave himself for us. And then we talk about the fact that in this relationship with him, it is eternal life. And then we say, and the reason that he did that is because he loved us. Okay, so there's this in your head, G-O-S-P-E-L, I can share the gospel with individuals and I can be biblically accurate in doing so. However, okay, hear me, this one's important. Opening our mouths and sharing the gospel is not the objective. Knowing him and loving him is. If you can better understand the gospel cognitively, and if you can articulate it to others in a way that they can understand it, but you don't love Jesus more by understanding what he has done, then we're missing the point. The whole point of the series is the same as the whole point of the gospel, which is the fact that God would love an unholy people and give himself for us. Romans 5.8 says this, God shows his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was a sinner, Jenny would say, he ran after me and he pursued me. And you walk and insert your name there as well if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. He pursued you because he chose to pursue you. you. He chose to love you because he chose to love you. You didn't earn the right for him to pursue you. It is a gift. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. That's the gospel. He chooses to pursue us because he chooses to love us because he himself is love. It's true. You you can insert your name. Debbie Weaver, you just caught my eye. God loves you. You know, he does. You know, each one of you guys, I could say your name. I won't. Rachel, I can pick on you. God loves you. Yeah, he loves you. Adrian, God loves you. He loves us. He's given himself for us. And here's my prayer this morning. I'm going to end with these two passages, and then we're going to go to the Lord together. 
This is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. My prayer for you this morning and for this body is the same that Paul had for the church of Ephesus. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, here we go, listen to this, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. That's the prayer, that we would just get a taste of the goodness and the love of Almighty God because if we get just a taste of it, It'll change our lives. If we can just for one moment believe, even me, even the things that I have done, he can forgive me of those things and he chooses to love me anyway, that's the gospel. And from Romans 8, 35 through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no one can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The desire, we'll skip that one for you guys, is that you just receive it. That you receive the gift of His Son, that you receive the love that He's given to you, and that you love Him back, and that you love others. And this is why Jesus says the summation of the law is this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else that's a part of the law rests on those two commandments for us. It's the love of God that is the foundation of the gospel. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I want you to bow your heads in prayer. Madeline's going to come up. Well, actually, Madeline has her hands full of something other than a guitar at this moment. That's okay. It's fine. Jeremiah is going to take Nora. And we are going to just go before the Lord. And our ushers are actually going to be um, coming in a moment. But inside of your worship guide, there was a sheet of paper this week. This is new. If you're a part of Redstone, this is the first time that we've ever done this. But you've gone through the gospel. And what do we do when we receive the gospel? D.L. Moody was this great pastor up in Chicago. And one time he shared the gospel. And this is, this is crazy. And then he, he shared it clearly. And he goes to the audience. He says, okay, you've heard it. Um, Jana, do you receive it or reject it? 
okay? And then he went to Joy, and you know, then he went to Becca, and then he went to Jenny, and he went around, it's yours. This is the truth of the gospel. Are you going to receive it, or are you going to reject it? I'm not doing that this morning. However, in the worship guide is a, 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 just a place for you to say, yes, I believe the gospel. I reaffirm my commitment to be a Jesus follower. To others, it might be, you know what? I'm hearing the gospel, and I am choosing to believe it. Well, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about that. Or you may just have a specific prayer request, or you may say, I believe the gospel, but I've never been baptized. There's a place for everybody to respond, so take a moment, prayerfully fill it out as I lead us in prayer. Father, as best as I am humanly capable of doing so, I think that we've presented what the gospel is, and at the end of the day, Father, we see that it is your love that is the foundation for the gospel. And Father, honestly, we struggle with that concept that you as a holy God could love us as such an unholy people, but that's why it is good news. So sear our hearts, show us this love, May we receive it very personally this morning and may we respond. For some people, that would be responding to believe the gospel and be Jesus followers. And for other people, it would be to love you better and to love your people well.